0: Hey everyone, I'm going to do a short episode today and it's going to tie into other episodes in the week. Science, technology, and government is one of my most favorite essays by Rothbard. And keep in mind, he wrote this in 1959. Anarcho-capitalism hadn't even been invented yet. But just two years earlier on October 4th, 1957, the Russians launched Sputnik, which was the world's first artificial satellite and first man-made object in space. And unfortunately, our desire to battle communism, which was a good thing, led to our tax dollars being siphoned off to various sectors simply to ensure that the communists didn't beat us in the space race. Murray was having none of this. At one point in the book, he touches on the supposed shortage of scientists, and the basic answer is there isn't a shortage. And he gives the numbers on that, so that argument's done. He talks about automation, and again, this is where his writing was timeless. He noted that fears of automation had been around since at least the American Revolution. Think about how some people in 2018 are worried robots are going to take over everything in just a few years, as if it's going to be like iRobot with Will Smith. Well, I hope you all enjoy the rest of the week. I'm going to divide the chapters of this book up through a few episodes, and you'll essentially get the whole book. So uh, you can also go on Mises.org and find the book for free. They have it online. And Mises.org gives us so many resources for free. So all right, all enjoy. The crucial economic question, and one of the most important social questions, is the allocation of resources. Where should the various and numerous factors, land, labor, or capital, be allocated, and how much of each type to use? This is the economic problem, and all social questions must deal with it. So, he starts off by simply noting that we need a lot of things. If it's a matter of, should we build a rocket ship, or should we invest in cars for transportation, I think most, and most meaning the consumers, would find more value in transportation. Most of us have never been in a rocket ship. So he goes on to say, it requires transportation to move goods, uh, production lines to manufacture them, telephone operators, etc. So by the first law of economics, which is scarcity, uh, and labor and know-how are scarce, then an increase in the number of scientists is a decrease in other areas. Not many people get double, double majors and work in two fields at once. So this is a constant battle between how many scientists do we need and how many doctors, repairmen, or whatever do we need. And, ge- and given that people either go uh, into fields voluntarily or they go into fields by force, there are only two options. And now I'm quoting him again. There is one and only alternative to voluntary directions under a free price system, and that is government dictation. For while government intervention can and does hamper the economic system and its job of satisfying consumer demand, it cannot force the economy to follow its own demands efficiently. And what he's saying there is, sure, you can siphon off uh, people into other sectors. It's not cut and dry to the public that it's coercive, but people involved know what's going on. And ultimately, though, you can't force the consumer what to do, and especially when you're talking about wartime spending, an average consumer can't eat a tank nor afford one. So you're creating products there's no demand for. And Seymour Melman points this out in his book, Pentagon Capitalism, that something like two-thirds of all technological researchers were siphoned off for governmental purposes. You can't just produce more geniuses. Those, that That is finite. And he goes on to say this later in the book, but yeah, sure. NASA's done a lot of incredible things, and it's cool to watch humans go into space, like, it's watching, like watching fireworks go off on Fourth of July, but... We simply can't use taxpayer money because things are cool. I mean, if that's the bar that's being set, this just reiterates what me, you, and many others already know is true. It's that they waste our tax money for the most part. Now, we're in Chapter 1, by the way, and he finishes off this chapter by noting that and quoting him again. If the free market is prevented from offering its voluntary inducements, of higher wages in those occupations and areas that are most needed by consumers, then government must dictate every man's type and place of work, and we must all become slaves of the state. And I'm gonna quote it one more time. And this is the last two sentences, excuse me, this is the last two sentences of the chapter. And you can really tell Murray was writing in 1959. From a moral, political, constitutional, and economic point of view alike, therefore, the Republican Party is committed to the fostering and maintenance of a free economy and a free society. How is the ever-changing problem of modern science and technology to, meet, to be me within this framework? Now, I'm going to take you through one more chapter for today. And chapter two talks about the difference between general research and military research. And he describes it in this way. Problem A is the general allocation of resources, namely research that could be used to progress everyday consumer technology. The other is problem B, and that is military technology. Well, when the government invests in things like tanks, ammunition, you name it, they buy it with no proper incentives. When we all as consumers go out and buy things, we're voluntarily interacting with people, pretty simple. But when the government goes out and buys a tank, there's no real wealth created. The tank isn't used to build buildings, and ironically, quite the opposite if you think about it. Now, again, Rothbard was either being modest here or this was significant of his views and how they eventually evolved to be something different. But he says, quote, having a virtual monopoly of defense, the government taxes private citizens to the extent needed for their defense against enemies foreign and domestic. And he goes on to say, the government has the responsibility, one, of never forgetting that scarce resources are always being allocated and therefore that what the military gains, the civilian sector loses and two, of leaving, wherever possible, military matters in the hands of, private, of the private economy, both on grounds of maximizing economic freedom and of maximizing economic efficiency. And he makes an important point. Um, this principle is largely recognize, recognized in the field of material production. Why, then, shouldn't it be true for military scientific research? Shouldn't government function as a consumer, if at all? So even if the military is going to be major purchasers, it's, it should at least be from private companies. And if it's to hire laborers, it should hire the services of private firms. Now, I have a feeling he may have changed his mind on that as well, as he, he has a famous quote later on in his life about how there shouldn't be any good people in government. We need them all in the private sector. You want the most incompetent idiots of all in, the, in government. But I love the way he finishes off the chapter. And I'll just go ahead and quote the whole chapter or end of the chapter, excuse me. Isn't freedom, rather than coercion, not only the best way to spur efficiency and scientific advance, but also the way to show the peoples of the world, including the peoples of the Soviet bloc, that the American way of freedom can beat the Soviet way of coercion at any time and on any ground? If, on the contrary, we try to race with the Soviets by employing essentially Soviet methods, which ideology will come to look better to more people of the world. What do you think? The more we stress free and voluntary methods in our competition with the Soviets, the more do we show that we believe our own speeches on the merits and glories of freedom. The more we rely on coercive or status methods, the more do we undercut our own ideology, appear as hypocrites to the uh, nations of the world, and thus contribute to the ultimate victory of the Soviet ideology. Brilliant, timeless, important. That's Murray Rothbard for you all. See you all tomorrow to talk about the alleged scarcity of research and sciences. Have a good night. Hey everyone, please like, follow, donate, subscribe, and share. Any donations will be used to reach more people.